Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than doing your January shopping at Alprice, MVC, Woolworths, CNAs. Was that a thing? My name's Ash Rose, your host and guide on this the original 1990s football podcast, Alive and Kicking. Thank you very much for joining us on this, the first full length episode of 2000. And 19, and I'll say it again, that means 1999 was 20 years ago. Yeah, I know, I know. We are jumping on the FA Cup bandwagon today. Yes, um, a little bit later than uh, I'd planned. Um, we had some scheduling issues uh, with the record, but we are bang on point um, in terms of Cup Week. I'm literally saying this as I'm watching Manchester City score nine goals past Burton Albion. Um, so yeah, it's Cup Week, but we are talking FA Cup third round memories of the 1990s today. So it was FA Cup third round weekend this past weekend. Um, we do talk a little bit about the modern day and what we think of the FA Cup on this show as well. So let us know what your thoughts are of the crazy kickoff times, the teams fielding under strength 11s. We'll cover that on today's show. We have done go back in the archives as they say uh, an FA Cup show before where we looked at kind of an overview at the FA Cup and some of the games uh, we are strictly sticking to the third round uh, this episode so we may do a fourth round one fifth round one so forth so forth seeing um, how we go on that we're mainly talking about some of the big upsets today of the of the third round in the 1990s so you can guess what was coming joining me on the show is of course uh, my regular hombres Joel Young and Matthew Chris. We've also got regular Greg Lansdowne back as well to talk to us. I say to talk to us about Arsenal, but he probably won't be too pleased to be talking Wrexham, Millwall and Sheffield United, which is one I didn't recall. But all that is covered on today's show. Um, I also will be going around each of them to see if they remember who each of their teams were playing on the third round on each time. And to be honest, not many of them do. And I did throw it upon them very late in the day. So do uh, do bear with them on that one. So yeah, you'll get a lot of QPR, a lot of Middlesbrough, a lot of Man United and a lot of Arsenal on, on today's show. But Arsenal do play pretty prominent in the third round. Uh, we talk obviously Man United and the 1990 sliding doors moment as well. And I even eat humble by talking about when Stockport knocked QPR, Premier League QPR, out of the FA Cup in 1994. Uh, there's also a chat with Millwall hero, former midfielder for the Lions, as well as Sheffield United as well, Mark Beard, who recalls his memorable night at Highbury in their Cup upset before Clive Wilson knocked them out in the fifth round. But we'll talk about that another day. So yeah, sit back, enjoy the show. I suppose you've still got some uh, snowball left over from Christmas, because I have. Get that down your, down your neck and listen to some 90s natter with me and the boys on Alive and Kicking. Oh, of course, don't forget to follow us at AK90s on Twitter, at AK90s Pod on Instagram, and share, like, subscribe, and rate on us on the, uh, the iTunes or however you use your podcast platform, whatever you listen to it. Give us a shout, give us a rating on there. It really helps us on keeping the show going, keeping the lure for Alive and Kicking. But sit back, enjoy the show. Let's talk some 90s FA Cup action. Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. 
Welcome back. Yes, we are. We're jumping on the bandwagon of the FA Cup third round of this weekend, and we're looking back at something we actually haven't done. We actually didn't haven't done many third round memories from the FA Cup in the 1990s. Um, so we're going to go through a few of them there, and I've got my merry men with me to look back, and it's actually quite apt for most of us, so as we'll, we'll get to in just a second. Um, firstly, um, someone who will probably the less apt in terms of upsets and big memories, but he can chip in where he can. He's a social media mogul for TV and amongst everything else, a podcaster for the best wrestling podcast in the land. Uh, Joe Young, how you doing, Joe? Am I am very well, and you'll be pleased to know I haven't had three pints tonight, so that's good. Just had a chirpy, and you've had a haircut. I've had a haircut, yeah, so I'm about four stone lighter. <laughs> I can't and, obviously uh, see you, because it's a Skype, but you told me you've had a haircut. I've had a haircut. Yeah, well, there's pictures on my Instagram, so, you know, if you want to go and have a look. Um, is, are we on Archie count, or is that on Twitter? Sorry? Your Archie count, is that up to 26? Archie, Archie count, we're up to 28, oh, and 28. that's on Twitter, that's, that's not on Instagram. Oh, is that just Twitter? Okay, I've been following that. Yeah, I, I, Archie count, yeah. I'm already running out of things. Basically, everybody who doesn't know, hashtag Archie count, all <laughs> is the amount of times I take the cat out in 2000, uh, 2019. Uh, and so far, up, up to today, which is, what is it today, the 8th? Yeah. Uh, it's been outside with me for 28 different times, and I'm already running out of garden angles and uh, punchlines and gags and things. But, you know, it's get, something to keep me interested. I think it's going to hit a 1,000. Get a gnome or something. That could be fun. What a norm! Just he's just. I got told off by the gardener the other day. Said the cat was said the cat was digging up the flower beds, which he is. <laughs> but I wasn't about to admit that to the gardener. I just went, oh, I've never, uh, I've never noticed that before. No, I, I don't think it's him. He went, oh, it's him. Today you got your haircut, at Tony and Guy, and now you're telling me about your gardener. You've changed, Joe. You've changed. Nah, if it helps, I will go on neck a load of beer now. <laughs> Thank <Is> you. That, <laughs> that's what I've that makes me more masculine in yeah. your eyes. Somebody who hasn't changed, and that's all good for me. Um, he is a journalist for many plethora of outfits, and he's going to tell us about the sliding doors moment for Manchester United. Matthew Christ. Good evening, Matthew. Yeah, evening. I'm like you. I'm still in shock at the fact that Joe's just confessed to the nation that he's got a garden <laughs> and that is something i never thought hold I would on hear. i live I, I, we've got a big communal garden out the back and it's paid for as part of the what's it called standing charges is that what council that tax isn't it yeah. no not the council tax no yeah. for our building what's it called when you know like oh. communal rates or everything uh, uh, the know. garden that is paid for as part of that and he came and he came and told me off but then i went well what about the kids who smash up the garden and pull out the bushes i said are you going to do that then then he just sort of shuffled off then, so that was a bit peculiar, but there you go. Mm -hmm. right. Well, we're not alone tonight, and somebody's going to try and get a word in edgeways. Um, friend of the show, he's a regular as well. Um, he is the Panini Man, author of The Brilliant Stuck On You, and Arsenal fan who's going to talk about the highs and very much the lows of this decade for Arsenal in the FA Cup. Welcome back, Mr Greg Lansdowne. Thanks very much, and it's, it's just nice to be able to talk about some... Arsenal third round FA Cup games that were three o'clock kickoffs. Yes, yeah, we'll get that moan in there at some point, I'm sure. Um, I was gonna, th that was gonna be my opener because I had a little Twitter rant on Saturday night that I just didn't really care this weekend about the FA Cup. That wasn't all. I saw yeah. that rant. Yeah. We had noticed, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then we won the FA when we won our third round game, and suddenly I cared again. How fickle am I? But. Do you say Leeds? We beat Leeds. Yeah, we got. You know we celebrate a Leeds defeat. Oh, I think, yeah. between us all, can we? Yeah, what, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, why not? But I was going to ask each of I mean, how do you feel about the FA Cup in 2019 compared to the decade we're going to talk about? Let's, let's start with you, Matthew. Well, I think anyone that ever listened to this podcast knows that 
anything after what what do I always say about 1998 I don't really give a, a damn about and I think that's certainly the case with the the FA Cup I mean I'm being a bit flippant there because obviously I do but certainly the FA Cup I saw your um, sort of moaning about it on, on social media mm. over the weekend and I, I couldn't agree more I think it's well we spoke about this last week didn't we about how the, it annoys me the, the the way the games are scheduled the way the coverage is the f- fact it's 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 shoved up your nose you know you're told that it's supposed to be the best thing going I mean it's it's the I was thinking this weekend, it's the sporting equivalent of, of real ale to me. It's, it's one of those things that people tell you how great it is and how you should like it. And, and the fact that nobody actually does like it, it sums it really up. Because does anyone really like it apart, apart from people that are paid to tell you how great it is? Because, I mean, how many, I mean, a quarter of the Premier League side are out already. Most of them played like they couldn't give a damn, including Liverpool last night. And... I just, I, I think it's dying a death, and, and United get stick for causing this problem for various, well, for the what they did in um, 2000. But I think maybe they had the right idea and just didn't fanny around like most people, and they just got out while they could. And I think a lot of other clubs would do the same if, if they were given um, given the opportunity. And it, it, it pains me to say it because when we talk about what we're going to talk about the, the 90s, I mean, it couldn't have been bigger, and and it's still feels that to me but watching it now it, it really has just I think it's gone beyond repair now and, and obviously you felt the same way reading what you were yeah I just I didn't saying. have that I mean I used to look I will talk about this I used to look forward to third round day but it kind of even to the point even on the when match of the day was about to start on Saturday night I just like I watched it but I wasn't I was kind of like shall I watch it you know I mean the, the Sunday was better there was you know there was the Leicester game that upset but Greg do you, do you feel the same as as, as, as Matthew there no, I, I don't because um, obviously my team's won three of the last five FA Cups. True, and, true. Uh, and and I think although although we say the big teams don't care, you you look at the teams that win the FA Cup and you look at the teams that win the League Cup. It's almost always the same four or five teams every every apart from Portsmouth in two thousand eight. Yeah. I think was it was it Everton would have been the last team before that in ninety five outside of the Wigan sport. Wigan did two thousand and thirteen. Oh yes, they, yeah. yeah. Okay, so two two since since Everton. Mm. But so, that's the law of averages, though, isn't it, Greg? I mean, it's just it, to me that's just always going to be the case because most teams, even if they play their second string uh, side, will well, yeah, they're better than that's a than, shame. But but I think when it when it comes to the crunch and you get to the latter stages, then the big teams do take it seriously and they do take it seriously when they play in another big team so when Arsenal play Man United in the next next round just just like just, just look at the League Cup per quarter final with between Arsenal and Tottenham they, they both put their pretty much their proper teams out then so I, I think what what's sad is that is that Liverpool put out a team like they did against Wolves and Leicester put out a team like they do against against Newport. That's a shame. And I think it's also a shame when, when a team puts a weakened team out and, and they, they still win. I, I think they if they they almost deserve to lose just, just for disrespecting it. Yeah, but, I, I agree. But, but as I say, when you, when you then go to the end and you see who wins it every time, you think, well... You would you would hope by the by the big team disrespecting it that you get different winners, but actually, the the, the time when you got the bigger shocks were the seventies and the eighties. Mm. But the, the thing is, quick without wanting to hijack this conversation, but it's not just the big clubs that are resting players. If you watch, if you look at the the games, the third round games, nearly every club yeah, you know, exactly. is making yeah. eight changes. You know whether it's that's the sadder thing. Mm. Is it is it's the teams who are never going to win the Premier League? 
who, yeah. who, who don't bother. And and that this is their. I'm sure you ask the supporters. This is their their chance of glory. But unfortunately, there's such a high emphasis on not getting relegated these days that uh, they they're making the sensible decision. Really. Mm. Yeah. What did Barrett? Like Barrett did that thrashing, Joe. Did did they feel a weakened team? I know QPR made were kind of a mix. What did Barrett do? It was a little bit of a mix, I yeah. suppose. I suppose there was a couple of fringe players in, but um, it, it's funny, you know. At nil nil, I decided I was going to have a little nap. <laughs> and then, uh, I, I, and then I woke up and we won five nil. So, uh, yeah, decent performance, and we've got Newport County at home in the next round. So that's probably us out. Um, but I, I think we will. I think Borough will take it seriously. But I would find it hard to get excited until about the quarterfinals. I think. I think then you sort of start to think right. But I think obviously as well, the big the, the teams that are in the top four, they might go for it because they're not going to go for the Europa League, but. For a team who's sort of anywhere from, well, just anywhere else in the league, the, I think the, the Europa League is going to be such an issue and it's going to clog up your life and you're going to be playing Thursday, Sunday all the time. That Like, that's your reward for it. And, and yeah. I know, you know, people, it's a good question to ask a Portsmouth fan, I suppose. Like, would you take would you take all the mess that happened? So, when was it? 2008? Yeah. When the FA Cup. Would you take all that mess that has come since, and you know the relegations and the bankruptcies and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Would you would you swap the FA Cup for that? And I bet they wouldn't. Well, it's a similar question you could ask Wigan fans, and I've heard people ask Wigan fans. I know they didn't get into; they're obviously not in the, in the mess that Portsmouth are, but they, were, they, they obviously won, though, didn't they? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean financially, but I mean, you know, they obviously won the FA Cup a few years ago, but then got relegated, and then got relegated again. But from the Wigan's not a million miles away from me, although saying that, you never really see any Wigan fans. But the ones I've heard speaking about it would st- still say they would, wouldn't swap it. And, and winning the FA Cup was still uh, you know, something they would take regardless of the subsequent relegation. So, and, and I'm glad to hear that because you don't want to hear people saying things like, oh no, we'd rather stay in the Premier League for another couple of seasons and struggle and, and sacrifice the FA Cup. So I'm you know, all, all power to them for, for saying bit, that. I think I've said this before on here, but... Um, sort of league games unless you win in the league or you're just avoiding relegation then a lot of the times the cup runs away you make your memories yeah. of, um, more than anything I think And but at the same time you're more than happy to sacrifice an early round exit I mean I, I think we went out against Cardiff God under Southgate so that is going back a bit and that was and it looked like a reasonably that might have been 2008 actually and it looked like a reasonably easy route to at least the final there. And Cardiff came well placed and beat us, thoroughly outplayed us and tortured us. And that one still sort of sticks in my craw a little bit. But I couldn't even tell you who's knocked us out in the in the last sort of five or six years. But I, I do that, that one stands out for me. So I, I, I think what Greg says is right. The, the further on you get, the more important it becomes. But at the same time, you're not too fussed if you go out in the third round, fourth round. You know, quarterfinals, you start sort of thinking, uh, might this be it? I think we were on a cut. Keep your on a cut run now. This is the first time we've been in the fourth round for twenty odd years. So I, it's one is one match around a uh, run. It's for keep your yeah in that yeah. awful cup. You know Portsmouth away in the next round. You never know. You you might not find yourself in the fifth round, which is uh, unheard of since the the decade we're about to talk to. So talk to talk about. Um, so let's uh, let's get on with that. Let's start at the nineteen ninety season. So we, we'll go season by season and pick out 
the big game and we'll also mention I've got a list of what each of our teams did as well I don't know if you guys remembered um, there's a couple of them I completely forgot about so um, which I talked to Joel about earlier which are two of our teams playing each other but we'll get to that in a bit um, we was only one place to start Mr Christ um, this 7th January 1990 I, I looked in a bit more about this because I didn't realise how much of a crunch game it was for Alex Ferguson at the time this was breaking point. It's the sliding doors moment. It's Nottingham Forest nil, May ninety one. Mark Robbins. It really. I didn't realise how bad United were at that point, and <laughs> it could have been all if he'd gone out of the FA Cup, which it was a much bigger deal than probably is now. Going out of it, it, it could have been all over right there and then, couldn't it? Yeah. Well, you you stole my thunder there, really, because I, I was going to say that everyone says how. Um, Ferguson was on the brink of being sacked and, and depending on who you speak to, it, it was either true or it wasn't. But the, the reason he was on the brink of being sacked is because United were really that bad. I mean, this wasn't these days where you lose three games in a row and, and your job's on the line. United were were dreadful. I mean, they, they didn't win a league game for the best part of three months between November and February. They, they broke that duck away at, away at Millwall. I mean, it was their lowest league finish since the season they got relegated in 1974. I mean, they really were awful and this was was a, a pivotal moment for the club and for the manager and it's and it's sort of ironic really that we're talking about uh, clubs sort of sacrificing the FA Cup to fight for league titles or more often than not uh, avoid relegation and I mean these days that United would have almost certainly sacrificed the FA Cup if they found themselves in the unthinkable position of being um, in a relegation fight which United certainly were in um, in that that January, I mean, you obviously looked at the league table. Yeah. Ash, I remember it. I remember it well because it, they were they were that awful, and it really did look like they were going to be in a relegation fight. Which is a lot of younger listeners, if we've got any, would find hard to believe then uh, now. But it, it really was true. But um, yeah, had Forest um, in the third round. I mean, it was a stinker of a draw, really, because. Forest were a pretty good team back then, if you remember. I mean, they were the sort of cup kings. Yeah, they, they won the league cup did. the season before, didn't they? Yeah, yeah I mean, obviously Clough never won the FA Cup, but I mean, they were always fancy. They they always seemed to do well in the league cup. They were there or thereabouts um, team in the league in the first division. So this was almost looked like it was a certainty for United to go out. And um, it was chosen as the live game for the obviously, uh, Sunday, United. Sunday live game. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it, well, I suppose it was the pick of the the round then uh, probably more so for Forest than United um, and I think most people f- feared the worst but um, yeah I think we've all seen the goal a, a good bit of work down the left from Lee Martin who would feature heavily in the course, in the yeah. cup run um, played it back to Mark Hughes and a, a lovely ball in and a, a sort of flick header from, from Robbins but even then I don't think anybody thought it would be a, as important as it went on to be, because um, I think everyone just expected it was it was a matter of time before probably United got knocked out and then ended up in a, in a relegation scrap. But it all, it all seemed to it, it was a sort of a catalyst really for the for the season. You know that February United won away at Millwall to end their two and a half month month run of not winning the league and, and picked up their league form. They eventually finished thirteenth that season and then um, obviously went on to win win the FA Cup but it's, it's interesting talking about live games because every game United played in that in that run uh, Hereford away Sheffield United away Newcastle away and then the semi-finals they're all played on a Sunday and they're all played away from home um, so very similar to to today with games being shifted around but um, uh, but it's just it sort of mirrors mirrors the modern day that's probably the only thing that actually mirrors 
anything to do with the modern day Manchester United. But um, like you say, from somebody that doesn't remember it as well as me, it's probably hard to imagine how how poor United were and how much pressure was on on Alex Ferguson. I mean, people have denied since that his job was on the line. But if they had gone out of the FA Cup, I think it would have been curtains and goodness knows what would have happened. Well, Howard Kendall was the link, wasn't it? I read somewhere that Howard Kendall yeah. and Bobby Robson were the, the two major names linked with the job at that time. Kendall was, of course, yeah. city manager. So, I mean, they obviously had, had um, potential replacements. I mean, Martin Edwards, the chairman at the time, has been asked about this since and he said it was never actually... It, well, he, he sort of said it was never actually that game that um, was, was the pivotal moment whether Ferguson would get fired or not. But, but that sort of November, December, uh, January, United's crowds were, were really poor. I mean, I remember they had Palace. There was a famous game at home against Palace where United got beaten and there was a banner unfurled on the Stretford End, uh, what was it, in the in K-stand saying, Tara Fergie, enough's enough. And um, the crowd basically turned and I think there were only about 30-odd thousand there and United got beaten. And, and Martin Edwards said the only reason he really felt that he, he might have to pull the trigger on Ferguson was the fact that home crowds were going so low and that it's interesting because that's something now even these days that when big clubs start seeing drops in attendances alarm bells start uh, start to ring i remember it happening with liverpool under roy hodgson they started to see their attendances drop into the sort of 30 low 30,000s which again is quite unthinkable and um, obviously back then it was a, a key factor for the for the united board but they obviously whether they had a a, a target um, for ferguson to keep his job or not we'll never know but um um, it was it was one hell of a way of keeping your job, and then not just winning the third round, going on to, to progress and, and winning the cup. And it was an epic cup run. I mean, I know we're only talking about the third round, but it was a pretty epic cup run. Yeah. And, uh, obviously involved that brilliant Semi, Super Sunday yeah. with the Oldham in the semi final. Final as well, best final of the decade. So, well, the the, the first game was certainly yeah, yeah, yeah it certainly was. Um, a quick um, opposition view from this, then, uh, Greg. What do you remember around this time? Do you foresee that as an Arsenal fan? Were you taking pleasure in seeing? sort of the demise of uh, Man United at the time? Um, well, you, you say about from an opposition point of view, obviously I knew that Matthew was going to uh, give the, the Manchester United perspective. So I, when I was reading back and, and looking over the game, I actually uh, did a bit of delving to remind myself about Nottingham Forest at the time. And um, obviously a lot of people talk about the, uh, the, the European Cup winning teams that uh, Brian Clough built. But I, I think the late 80s, early 90s squad uh, was is underrated, really. They were, um, as, a, as a cup team, they, they always beat a lot, a lot of the best teams. I remember them in the late 80s coming to Highbury several times and, and beating Arsenal. Um, and, and I was looking at that team from, from the... Uh, from the Manchester United game, and uh, it was interesting that, that he let Lee Chapman go that, that same month to, to Leeds United. So he, he'd obviously preferred Nigel Jempson, who was a young striker, and, and felt that he was going to be the, uh, the the player that was going to lead them into a, into a new era. Obviously, a couple of years later, Lee, Lee Chapman was uh, winning a, a first okay. division title, yeah. so probably, probably that... He, he always seemed to have a stumbling block with, with strikers, uh, Brian Clough, and uh, and obviously that, that that was another one of them. And I'm sure he would have given the Man United defence a, a torrid time on that occasion. Mm. Well, you mentioned Noel Jemson there. He had a goal disallowed, and he actually tweeted at us saying it should have been allowed. It was a bit of a scramble in the box, foul on the keeper. Yeah, if I saw there's going to be another uh, disallowed goal in a third round game. We'll probably talk about a little yes, bit later. Yes, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, so, I mean, 
quick final word of this on Joe. I mean, Ferguson, it, it was really the moment of that of that early period, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, absolutely. It's it, it's kind of funny. He'd been in charge how long then, Matthew? About four years. Yeah, well, November '86, he uh, came in. So four years, yeah. Yes. So um, it, it, it's really funny, isn't it? You can't imagine somebody being given four years at Manchester United now, can you? I think I think they've had three managers in the last four yeah. years, haven't they? Well, in fairness to him, I mean, going back a bit beyond this, I mean, his first full season, he finished second behind that brilliant Liverpool team so I mean things all started off pretty well and then it there was a sort of a a big lull which then culminated in in this season which was about as low as it it could get I mean obviously we all know that it, it, it they came back up from from that low but yeah it was uh, things went down rather than rather than up really in that in that four years it's always I always think it's quite interesting that Clough never won the FA Cup and obviously, you you got to wonder what would have happened. Is this a sort of similar moment for Forest? This in the FA Cup final a year later, when they got beat by Tottenham, yeah. And sort of what that would have meant to club's final years. Would he have just left the club in either one of these years, and we wouldn't have seen the decline, and they would have moved on earlier? Yeah, it's, 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 you, you could look that, at it. Yeah. You could look at it as, as, as from sort of both teams' yeah, point yeah, of view. Yeah. Really, I mean, not I'm, that I'm saying that Forest would have emulated what Manchester United did in the rest of the decade, but. Um, yeah. It's certainly an, an interesting kind of thing. Well, they were certainly, I like, like I said, they were certainly the sort of the informed team, and I'm glad Greg picked up on it because it's hard to emphasise again for anyone that don't, didn't remember how deadly that Forest team were. I mean, they'd obviously had all the glory in the late seventies uh, with the two European Cups and and the League Championship, obviously. But um, this was almost seen as a sort of second generation of uh, Clough's Forest, wasn't it, with the, the players that he had there? So. Um, and I remember them vividly. They always seemed to be yeah, not challenging for the title, but they would give teams like Liverpool a, a run for their money, and they would quite often finish third and fourth, or you know, in the, in the sort of UEFA Cup places. So um, even even late into the into the later on into the nineties, they sort of you know, with Des Walker and and what, and what have you, they were a decent team. Stay one stay. thing I will. Good old yeah. Stevie Stone, yeah. One thing I will say about the eighty nine ninety season, as bad as it was, and United. Uh, you know, eventually avoided relegation and went three months without winning a game. Who was it they played on the opening day of the season again, Greg? Can you remember? We've mentioned uh, we've mentioned that on a previous week. Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> but um, actually, sorry, there was something I I did want to bring up. I, I was uh, I stayed at my parents uh, one night over Christmas, and I, I just thought I'd uh, have, have a look at my my old bookshelves to to see is there a book that I haven't read. And uh, I, I picked George Graham's Glory, Glory and the Grief, and um, I was I was very interested. I I I hadn't read the book before, and um, I, I wonder if if you're aware of it, Matthew. But um, if this relates to to the following season in Manchester United, but uh, he was he was very proud of uh, of how he tipped off the agent uh, of Peter Schmeichel and Andre Kanchelskis. That Manchester United were looking for a goalkeeper and, and a winger. Mm. So, oh, I didn't, oh, so, I didn't know that. so he very, very kindly, as the Arsenal manager, played his part in uh, in Manchester United going on to uh, be the, the dominant power of the nineties. Well, I've always had a soft spot for George Graham. I genuinely have, <laughs> and, and now I've got even more of a soft. Was spot. there a brown envelope in that tip-off? Let's be honest, though. Um, well, it, it was the it was the agent who was involved in some of the others. Let, yeah, let's just say let's just let's leave it there. Um, for anyone that doesn't remember, by the way, I'll just say that the opening day of that season was a four-one win for United over Arsenal, and everyone thought everything was going to be fantastic. Michael Knighton looked like he'd 
was going to take over the club Isn't buying it from Martin Edwards. Night Rider, doesn't he have the talking car? <laughs> That's the one, yeah. Um, Keep it eight. And then it and then it all went horribly wrong about three weeks later, and then uh, yeah, never really recovered until and then that. He ended up. Michael Knighton ended up buying Carlisle. Carlisle, yeah, yeah. Quite an, mm-hmm. quite an interesting character. It turned out he never actually had the money, and uh, it was all a bit of a scam. But I remember being at Old Trafford that day when he ran out onto the pitch, and no one had a clue who he was. But we were all going mad and thinking it was all brilliant. It was a lovely sunny day, and as Greg will remember, United battered Arsenal, who were reigning champions at the time, and then. Uh, obviously everyone thought that was it they were going to win the first league title for about 24 years and um, ended up only getting relegated so probably the the only other highlight of that season really other than winning the FA Cup just goes to show take no notes to what happens on the opening day yeah Yeah, well I remember Martin Tyler saying in the commentary uh, one swallow doesn't make a summer and it very much was the case for that yeah but it makes it quite good fun (laughs) yes thank you Um, just looking back (laughs) at that third round QPR lost to Cardiff after a replay do you remember who Barra played, Joe? I'm going to test you every time. Oh, God, not a clue. Everton went out after a replay. Uh, Greg, do you remember Arsenal played that year? Stoke. There we go. We beat Stoke <laughs> in the third round. So that was 1990. We're 25 minutes in and we're only on the first year of the 90s. So we'll all speed <laughs> up a little bit. Um, 1991. Um, this is a famous one. It was obviously kind of remembered over this weekend with Woking playing Watford. Um, Joe, you love these sort of stories, don't you? Tim Bazzallo. Oh, yeah, this is uh, Sid Lambert's favourite um Gibraltar cricketer and state agent. Yeah, uh, it's everyone's favourite Gibraltar cricketer, isn't it? And a state agent, sure. I can't think of any other Gibraltar no. cricketer really, and slash a state agent. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, Sid has told this story before in that um, he wasn't even allowed to go out and celebrate poor old Tim Bugadley or after uh, after scoring his uh, hat trick against West Bromwich Albion. We, we haven't even mentioned what happened. Is it West Brom? West Brom two walking four, fifth of January, nineteen ninety one. Yeah, at the Hawthorns. Um, West Brom not wearing the no smoking kit, which I know it was a little bit past that, but I always enjoy that kit. Uh, but yeah, he... Because he, um, when I started watching it, I was like, hold on, was this at Walking's place or was this at West Brom's place? Because the pitch is... It's a, it's a proper, proper third round quag, pitch. Yeah. Quagmire is what, he, yeah. is what you should call that. Uh, and they, they obviously didn't have their own uh, private... Gardener, or a cat that would dig up the flower beds. No, communal gardener. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and actually, West Brom take the lead, and the commentator that I was listening to, and that might be Tyler, actually, says, "There's the first one." Like we're expecting six or seven out of West Brom, but it doesn't turn out that way. A guy called Colin West scores the first. He doesn't seem like he's a relation to Taribo West, but you know we'll let that go. Yeah, he used to play for Sheffield Wednesday actually in the eighties. Did he? Yes, he did. Yeah. Thank you very much. You know, you're just a wealth of information of the eighties. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's on the wrong podcast, really. <laughs> but then, Bozaglio, um, one all, really brilliant taken left foot with a slide rule pass. Um, Left foot, bottom left, and then uh, pretty much the same pass again, but he yeah. gets a really, really huge, fluky bit of luck in that the ball sort of spins off the keeper's foot and he gets lucky and, and nods it home. That's good. That takes them up to 2-1. Uh, then he gets his hat-trick with a cross from a guy called Biggins. Don't no, think it was Christopher. Don't think it was Christopher, Wayne, no. Wayne Biggins, wasn't it? <laughs> no, Mark. Mark, well, was it, he was. Uh, I, I watched the highlights as well, and he was. Uh, he had a, a blinder of a game. <laughs> yeah, he was really good, wasn't he, down that right wing? Yeah. Just, yeah. just seemed to be there like a proper old-fashioned winger. Yeah. Their cross, their cross. Or oh, then a couple of times, if it wasn't a cross, it was a corner. You know, I, I, I sort of. I like those kind of wingers. Old-fashioned bang. All he does is beat his man and get the ball across. Well, well, that's all you want, isn't it? Uh, but 
it's a cr- cross that gets knocked onto him, and he's got a decent little left foot on him, hasn't he, old uh, Timmy boy? Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. And then um, Horsfield with a header for 4-1, and and the bit that made me laugh the most is when um, West Brom get their consolation, because the first one was to take the lead, to make it 4-2. Darren Bradley scores, and they all start booing all the West Brom fans. <laughs> so I sort of quite enjoyed that. Um uh, Tim Bazzaglio was later placed in 2006 in an FA team of heroes, 125 years of the FA Cup, and, and Tim Bazzaglio made the team. No, I like, sorry, Joe, I like the way that you mentioned his name about 10 times, and each time you've, you've, you've said it, pronounced it differently. Bazzaglio, and then I keep saying Bugazlio, yeah, yes, I know. Bazzaglio, isn't it? you got to remember, right, I can't say Sumberine. And I can't say burglar, right? So <laughs> try having three pints, and you might be all right. I've had three pints. Yeah. You know, yeah, I might be all right. Well, I'm sitting tongue twisters then, yeah. yeah. For, for clarity, <laughs> we were talking about him being a cricketer. He actually played in the World Cup for Gibraltar at cricket, and also played in the FA Cup third round and scored a hat trick. I, I think us, amazing. I think us four could. I think us four could play for Gibraltar at cricket. Being fair, well, I, I yeah, I barely know the rules, but I'm sure I'm sure I could give it a go. Um, but yeah, that was 1991. Joe, who Borough played that year? Oh man, I, I, you know what? I've, I've only wrote middles into Google. Ninety-one. Uh, I'm going to say United. Well, well, no, two of our teams played each other, but you play, you beat Plymouth after a replay. All right, I think we got United in. Did United knock us out in the semi-final? Oh, oh, no, I'm, I'm talking about third round. Matthew, do you remember oh, right, United well. QPR of that season? Oh, hang on. I thought you were going to ask who United played in the third round of the cup. They did QPR. No, that. In 90, each other. Yeah, ninety-one. Yeah, Danny, I remember that very well. It was live on telly oh, as well. I thought that. I thought it was Norwich. Mm, right, well, not, not, I will double check. I will double check. Oh. I'll check, and, and Greg, you can oh, tell I, us who they, who Arsenal played. I was at the uh, Arsenal Sunderland game that day, and we uh, we made it through all the way to the semi-finals that year. We won't won't mention how that went though. Ninety-one. Oh yeah, ninety-one. That was the uh, yeah um, the uh, North London derby, if I remember rightly, wasn't it? One of them, yeah. One of them, yeah. We'll leave that there. Um, let's <laughs> go to 1992 where I double-check the... Uh, no, May United uh, 2, uh, QPR 1. Oh, yeah. oh sorry. I, I thought you meant who did, who knocked United out of the FA uh, Cup. No, oh, no, no. We're talking Norris, third no. round. Yeah, sorry. I've, I've misunderstood the question. Okay. <laughs> I thought. Well, it was on yes, telly. Yes, QPR. Uh, yeah. You'll, you'll yeah, be yeah. nobody in a pub quiz. Yeah, exactly. No, well, my fault. I, I, I misunderstood the question. Oh. I, I do remember United getting beaten by Norwich. In the, it must have been the... Fourth or fifth round, then. Well, we'll talk about that in the, in the future. Yeah, for the record, in a couple of weeks. When yeah. we go through the years, I'm going to mention who each of our teams played in the third round. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, My get apologies. It? Everyone get it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Danny yeah. Maddox yeah. scored for Keeper. I can't remember who scored for Man United, but I remember Danny Maddox. He was on TV, header from Maddox. Um, but let's talk 1992, and this one is going to Greg. Um, I mean, when people think about upsets, this is always talked about Champions of England versus the team that were bottom of the fourth division. What happened at the racehorse ground in 1992? Well, exactly. It's one of those... Uh, not that I tend to watch too much of BBC's coverage these days, but every time I do, you can always guarantee that uh, that Mickey Thomas's goal will, will be on there. And um, I, I suppose we should start by saying that uh, Wrexham did beat Arsenal 2-1 that day. But um, lot, lots of things you can, you can pick out. Um, <laughs> I was uh, fortunate enough or unfortunate enough not to be at the game, but uh, I remember on Football Focus it was um, it was ascertained that Tony Gubber was the was the gentleman who was commentating, and uh, he he loved he loved the cup upset. He, I, I remember him doing the 
uh, Port Vale Tottenham game in in 87-88 and he was also doing the Sutton Coventry game in 89 so uh, so when I so alarm bells started to ring then and um, as as was uh, as was the fact that um, we, we again we we touched on it in the previous podcast that um, that, that people now look at the the bruised banana away kit as um, with, with fond memories as an Arsenal supporter but this this game for me if you if you were to say one one game that Arsenal played in that bruised banana kit it was the uh, it was the Wrexham defeat it's the one it's remembered for isn't it yeah um, Wrexham obviously as you said they they finished 92nd the, uh, the the year before they they had picked up a little bit in in this season they had uh, they, they had a lot of 80s vintage favorites Gordon Davis um, Joey Jones is on the bench. Uh, I'd, I thought Brian Flynn was just the manager, but actually, the only reason he wasn't in the squad was because he was injured. And uh, and then obviously, Mickey Thomas at 37. Um, imagine that, a 37 year old playing against the top flight team. You don't, uh, you don't get many of those these days. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, first half, it was all, all going well. And um, Jimmy Carter was the was the most unusual, unlikely name on the team sheet. Ian, Ian Wright was uh, was unavailable, so so he he came in for him, and he missed a good chance. And like like with the sliding doors moment for Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, who who knows if uh, if Jimmy Carter had been the match winner on that day, that that might have turned his Arsenal career around. But as as it was, he's uh, he's not remembered particularly fondly, sadly, as a as a as an Arsenal player. But um, Alan Smith did uh, did get the the opener, and then at half time, one nil up, we were we were going fine. Um, and then the second half. Now I'm, I'm sure I'm sure everyone can uh, remember that, so I'll, I'll probably pass the baton on that. <laughs> Joe, take over. Sorry. <laughs> what, what do you remember? I mean, I, I remember, this is one of my first vivid memories of FA Cup shocks. I mean, it was such a, again, well, mu- what, muddy gonna... pitch. Go on. Oh, it's, it's all that business. What I was going to ask is, is this before or after Mickey Thomas went to jail for counterfeiting money? It must be before. I think it is before. I think it was before, yeah. He, yeah. he definitely went to jail for counterfeiting money, didn't he? Yeah. He And he got stabbed in the leg as well, didn't he? Yeah, he was up to all sorts, wasn't he? Yeah. In a in a pub in a pub car park, you, you can you can always take that out if I imagine that, but I'm I'm, mm. I'm sure there was a a stabbing in a pub car park. Yes, in a car park somewhere. Yeah, if you've uh, if you've never read his autobiography, it's it's very entertaining. I can it's, well it's, imagine it's it's basically that it's basically just fights in pub car parks, <laughs> altercations with the law, uh, and you know that kind out. of thing. Yeah, well, yeah. United, he was a United player, wasn't he? So, yeah, 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 he played in the '79 final because they mentioned that in the commentary, yeah. which was against Arsenal. So that was his revenge because they lost that final. Um, but what a free kick! Thirty-seven-year-old playing in the FA Cup. We had a forty-year-old <laughs> this weekend. Who? Uh, Dimitri Konstantopoulos. Oh, okay. Yeah. He'd, he'd have been a goalkeeper though, he wouldn't he? Yeah. He's a goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. different. Yeah. Uh, that does came, he became Middlesbrough's oldest player, and we had a Middlesbrough's youngest player ever. Both play on Saturday. Oh, that's, that's, that's good for the Borough Pub Quiz. Um, it's good, isn't it? Write that down. That's, um, that's a that's a good free kick, though, isn't it, guys? That is a full-on thwack, as the kids call it these days. Matthew, oh, yeah. go on, jump in. Oh, sorry, asking me. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm not going dis- to disagree. It was a great free kick. I mean, it was. Uh, 
right in the corner. No saving that, as I'm sure Tony Gover said in his commentary. Don't, don't, don't the kids say top bin? He was proper top bin. Well, yeah, he well they do now. I don't, they never did then, did they? No, definitely not then. Does, same as, same as postage stamps. When uh, when I was re-watching it, that uh, David Seaman just it took a grazes him, didn't it? Movement to the to the left, and I think if it because he did get a hand to it. Had it, obviously he was expecting a, a flicked effort. Had he had he not done had he not not done that movement, I think he probably would have would have harmed it, it away. He was probably he'd probably been listening to Brian Moore's commentary a few yeah. years earlier when he said. <laughs> oh, no, it was a few years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah a little habit of that, didn't, didn't he? Just he yeah. Shifting the wrong way or just getting caught at the at the wrong time. But yeah. you know, we've talked about that before. Indeed, uh, Steve Watkins was the man who never gets any of the credit, but he got the winner for Wrexham on what is still one of the the greatest cup cup upsets of the nineteen nineties. I'm going to kind of merge these two. Oh, we didn't do a ho- round robin, so um, I'm not going to keep telling you who are questioning you, but keep it. I lost to Southampton. Uh, I can remember. I can remember. Go on. United played Leeds. They did. Against, uh, it was a one of a trilogy, thanks to Donald Trump, who drew United out against oh, Leeds in the League Cup. Yeah. They, also, they also played each other in the league in, on December 29th and the FA Cup in third round. Indeed, indeed. So. And, and Middlesbrough beat City, your first victory of the decade there, Joe. Really? Yeah. Was that, a, was that, a, um, but that, that's not City City, is it? That's, oh, it's not, no, that, it's... That's old school. That's a, even before Francis Lee yeah, City, yeah, that, isn't it? You that's know, so like, City, yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, God, we beat Manchester City 8-1 at home in, in, the, in living memory, and, you know, that's not even new City, so... Uh, Sir Alfonso Alves. Yeah, it was a good game, that. that Rock and back good. scored as well. There you go. Um, that's 93 and 94, um, we're talking Liverpool, so I always go to my uh, main United Liverpool correspondent, that is Matthew Christ. Um, Bolton and Bristol City in corresponding years, knocking Liverpool out. Um, I, I mean, this is the Bolton pre-Sam Allardyce, before Bolton were a regular Premier team. John McGinley, a name of the 90s. They had a very good team there. They did, they did. <laughs> very good they? team. But it was um, uh, both at Anfield as well, we didn't often see that in the 80s, did you? Liverpool losing FA Cup games at Anfield. You certainly didn't, and we were talking about this last week about how Liverpool were in that sort of transitional period for, well, about twenty years and counting. But this era was their real sort of era of transition, wasn't it? As we said last week, they had a lot of old stages in the team that probably maybe should have been let go a, a bit earlier, and they had a, a sort of youngsters coming through, and um, they did seem prone to this in the in the early mid nineties. And um, yeah, this was a this was a, a an epic epic. Cup replay shock, wasn't it? I mean, uh, obviously drawn at Ashton Gate, and then there was the replay at Anfield. And um, I, I don't know. I assume you guys watched the watched the highlights yeah, uh, at some yeah. point. I, I found a great. Uh, it was a twenty-minute video of, of the game, which had been beamed live to Colston Hall in Bristol, which I know well, which is like a sort of a theatre. Well, it's a theatre, but where gigs and, and venues are, are held, and it was shown live. And, and I found the actual. Um, live closed circuit television coverage which i assume it was and it was angus lochran stato doing oh, the content wow. yeah and he was very excited the guest of the he, show. He, he was obviously uh obviously on the bristol city payroll because when they go in he was giving it all kind he was go 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 and <laughs> shrieking um and it was fascinating because he it was a live broadcast that obviously no one else had seen and he was he would say things like Oh, we'll have a look at the replay later, and then when when it, the final whistle went, he said, "Oh, we'll uh, now we play Stockport in the in the next round, and uh, you'll be sure to follow that with us. We'll be showing that game again." And I'm thinking, you know, nowadays you'd think nothing of seeing a game 
uh, probably live on a dodgy feed or something. But it must have been a, a, a big deal there. People must have actually paid to go into the Colston Hall to watch it. But, um, but a great game as well. Um, obviously, if you watch the highlights, but it, it wasn't a classic sort of park the bus and catch Liverpool on the uh, counter attack. Bristol City gave it a real good go and could have easily had three or four. I think I mean, both games. Was, I think Bolton as well the season before. I think both teams really put Liverpool to the sword. It was like yeah. Saying, I mean, in hindsight, I suppose they were there. They were there for the taking that Liverpool team. I mean, I mean, Grobler was all over the shop. I mean, I know he was always erratic, but he was always a, a top keeper. But in this game, he, he seemed particularly vulnerable. I mean, there was one one case where he came out of his box, sliding out of his box, and handballed the the ball outside a good yard outside the box, and uh, he only received a yellow card. I assume it was a there was a law change. Uh, further down the line, because I mean, it was a, certainly a, yeah, be a red yeah. card now. But um, but no, they, Bristol City looked like they were really up for it and really gave Liverpool a, a, a good going going over. I mean, obviously Liverpool had their chances and threw threw everything at them at, towards the end. But it was uh, it was a heck of a shot, a great away kit as well, which I'm sure you were going to oh, mention. The, the, yeah, purple, the purple and green, the purple and green. They, they did they re- the last way, season. Now. Yeah, last season they, it's the third kit now. It's their away kit last season. They uh, rehashed right. it as is the norm to rehash the 90s kits at the moment, which I'm sure, Greg, you'll see next season with Adidas, let's hope. Um, hopefully. hopefully. Um, or Arsenal going to Adidas? Next season, yeah, from next season. Oh, that's yeah, quite nice. Yeah, Bruce yeah. Banana. Yeah, exactly, it's coming, it's coming. I did see a leak, I don't know if you saw it, Greg, have you seen the leaked yeah. pictures? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Don't, be, don't, don't be too sure that's definitely the kits. We do get we do get a lot of these. Yeah, I thought that as well. Um, sticking with 93 just for a second, Greg, as well, there was a great Arsenal goal in this in this season against Yeovil Town, Ian Wright, one of my yeah, favourite right. goals. Yeah. That was offensive. Yeah, didn't, he get, I mean, didn't he get a hat-trick in that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah just, you know, the, obviously those were the days when... Um, you didn't rest your, your your star players, and you you couldn't afford to. If Arsenal, if Arsenal left out nine or ten players, and that obviously didn't have the massive squads, and they probably would have lost. So no, you uh, you you play your best team. One three nil went on to went on to win the cup that year. So uh, it's uh, it's it's just about. I mean, they, they were they were nowhere in the league. So that it, it literally was a, a, a focus on the on the cups in that season, and they they won both of them. So so yeah the. The, the, the overall game was uh, was it was a good good platform and uh, and that goal was uh, was up there with one of Arsenal's best in the in the cup of the decade. Mm, uh, sure. Ash, you mentioned going slightly back to what you were saying about the Liverpool game. Uh, Bolton, you said Bolton knocked Liverpool out the previous season. Yeah. Greg, am I imagining it? Didn't Bolton play Arsenal in a cup tie? Yeah, Highbury? that's the fourth was it round. About the same yeah, yeah, I was gonna, yeah. I was I was going to mention that because um, they. Bolton beat Liverpool, and they were they are outstanding in that, that 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 those ties, the two games. And I, I looked through the uh, the Bolton team that, that beat Liverpool, and um, and then I looked through the the, the team that beat uh, Arsenal in a in a fourth round game the following year, and they were actually uh, much stronger the uh, the following year because they, they, they had, had some great players, didn't yeah, they? Jim McGinley they had, they had and um... and Stubbs who were were at the club. In '93, but didn't play against Liverpool. They they came through. McAteer scored in both games against Arsenal, and they'd also signed Owen Coyle and Alan Thompson in the summer of '93. So, um, so and and reading, reading up about it, Phil Brown says that uh, they they beat Liverpool and Everton in '93 and Arsenal in '94, and uh, the the Arsenal '94 one was the the biggest achievement. I, I think, especially because. Because uh, Arsenal won the Cup Winners' Cup that same season, and they they were the, the double cup holders. So, uh, so well, yeah, they, um, they went to the League Cup final, didn't they? Ninety-five. Was the so, uh, was the manager? 
Yeah. And and I'm sure that 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 game against Arsenal would have gone a long way towards him getting the job in a, a, the year later. Mm. David Lee was was really good in that um, Liverpool game as well. I remember him running up and down the wing um, that season. I particularly remember this round because QPR played Swindon, and this was Glenn Hoddle Swindon, and this was live on Sky Sports, who must have had the third choice of games at the time. I think it was the Monday. Our night game, so this we were seeing early on here the the changing kickoffs, and they built it around Hoddle and Wilkins because he had the two wily old veterans playing for each team. Um, we we won three one, I think Les Ferdinand got a couple, um, but I remember being so excited that we were on the TV because we very rarely were on the TV at that point, apart from the first ever Monday night football I've mentioned before. But we beat Swindon, uh, Man United. Do you remember that season, Matthew? Third round, yeah, ninety three, ninety four, yeah. So ninety three was, yeah. 93, uh, Sheffield United. That was 94. Oh, Barry. Barry, Barry yeah. Oh, you got him. Yeah, yeah. Wrong way around. Um, Joe, yeah. any any clue? 93 and 94? No, not a clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hadn't half of these. I actually remember them. 93 was, you beat Chelsea. So you're beating all oh. the big boys in the cup here. Well, there you go. Chelsea, yeah, City, yeah, this is good. Yeah, um, and 94, again, we, I can briefly talk about this as well. We talked to Bristol City. Brian Tinian was the man with the goal. Um, in that game, and, uh, well, so the funny thing about about that, we've mentioned the fifty pound floodlight cable, haven't we? And um, what well, Middlesbrough? No, 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 with uh, Bristol, and and, and and that season seven. Oh, the because the, the original top, game was yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a fifty pound floodlight cable that went out, and that's why the original game got thing fifty pounds. Um, <laughs> in that season, seven of the uh, top ten in the Premier League went out to low league opposition. So. It's funny that we talked earlier on about people not really caring. I'm sure they did care then, but that's quite a big statistic. You, you wouldn't expect seven out of ten to go out now, would you? But they were, I would argue they were more genuine shocks, really. I know, you, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, not wanting to throw... Well, I am throwing a bucket of cold water over it because I, do, I think the FA Cup's gone crap. But I just think when the team... <laughs> it's when a gone team, crap, it's gone crap. <laughs> But when, when Bristol City, for example, beat, beat Liverpool at Anfield, you know, you look at that team... It was Liverpool's first team. Like Greg says, these teams were the team that you would see on the, the, the following Saturday or the Saturday before, which made it a hell of a shock. What happened last night uh, you know, with the Liverpool Wolves game, yeah, it was surprising. But I think anyone that went watching that game from the start thought, oh, hello, there's every chance Liverpool are going to get beaten here, which is a completely different thing from a team uh, completely upsetting the odds. That's all I'm... I'm just qualify my opinion there. Mm, yeah, uh, one of those teams, Joel, meant, uh, was QPR. We went out that season and to Stockport, which I put on Twitter this morning. So you know, I'm not hiding the fact. But I remember, I cried. <laughs> that we well, were... I said it's got it's got like one thing probably never seen before or since on a football pitch, and that's Ray Wilkins running. He does run a little bit in this game, which he yeah, and he loses his rag. He, well, that that was often seen. Red card for England, one of the first. Was he the first player to be sent off for England? Was the first? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember us playing. We played Stockport County, who were a third-tier team at the well, time. They actually went on to play Bristol City in the, following, the next round. They, didn't they? did indeed. Uh, we went one yeah. 0 up through Simon Barker, who's been on the show before, and then goals from lower league legends Kevin Francis, who was about nine foot tall, and Andy Priest, six uh, foot seven, six foot seven. He was. He yeah, great... played for Birmingham City as well, didn't he? On yeah, the there's, Fry, yeah. There's a great picture which I think we've tweeted out many times of Clive Wilson standing next to Kevin Francis in this game, and Clive for all the brilliant that he was he was obviously of smaller stature like myself and it's the the size difference is great but I remember 
not wanting to go into school the next morning because at the time my two best friends, shout out to Richard Scott and Matthew Evans at the time, don't know what they're doing now, but they were both Arsenal fans and we always had this, at the time Arsenal and Keep Your Eye weren't that different as in you know middle of the table, cup team type thing um, and I didn't want to go to school and face the, uh, the stick from those two but I did and I, I took it because uh, you know, then Arsenal went on to, to lose to Bolton anyway so we, I got my own back in the end. Um, Arsenal that year, of course, this starts the trilogy, doesn't it? Um, well, not tri- well, kind of a trilogy, doesn't it, um, Greg? Ninety-four. Yeah, <coughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we yeah we did we did win the third the third round going against Millwall, yeah, but, we'll uh, talk but about Bolton it. Bolton was the uh, was the next round. Obviously, Millwall got their revenge the following year, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Barrow lost to Cardiff in ninety-four. Joe, if I don't know if you remember that one. All right, so that would have been under that would have been one of Robson's. Well, Robson's first half season, concentrating on the league. Yeah, exactly. And you could only go. You could only go up as champions that year. Is right. this 93, 94, 94, 95 are We talking about ninety three, ninety four. All oh, right, it's Lenny Lawrence's oh, last Lenny, season. Lenny Lawrence and Matthew, as you said, Sheffield United. Is that the Eric Cantona goal in the uh, Newton Heat half? Was it been that game? Yeah, because we had them on in two consecutive yeah. years. There's a, there's a great at, goal for him. I, I was at I was at both. There was um, the, and it was a Monday night, wasn't it? The the, the Cantonar game. It was a real windy, windy night. Cantonar scored the chip, and that was actually when they filmed the the action shots for uh, when, when Saturday, Saturday comes. comes. So I was actually in the crowd for that. Um, yeah, and, we haven't done. Uh, we, we should do football. Have we done football films of the 1990s? We've done football television and football yeah. adverts but have we done films we touched on films when we did tv but we should do a proper one definitely let's do a films one because yeah. when saturday comes is one of my favorites when saturday comes fever pitch id id Shad- yeah id is quite funny shadwell yeah. army and all that yeah, we'll, yeah yeah we'll do that look we've organized a show while being there's away. only one billy grimble was that name uh, no that was 2000 Oh, ah. I remember that because I almost put it in the book and I were, it came out in 2000. Jimmy Grimble is your thinking. Jimmy Grimble, that's yeah. it. Rob Carlyle's in it. Yeah, Magic Boots. And, and the girl off Coronation Street. Um, yeah. Who's Maria, that? the girl who plays Maria. That's it, yeah. Uh, uh, Samia, Samia, Samia Gardy. Yeah, I course. think she's, she's Samia Smith now or she might be yeah. back to be Samia Gardy. Yeah, yeah, very hot. Um, so yeah, that was 1994. Before we go on to 1995 and as Greg already alluded to the Millwall, we're going to talk to a Millwall hero of that game who, who talked to me very briefly, yesterday, took time out of his day to talk about a memorable goal that we will also talk about in just a second. His former Sheffield United and Millwall midfielder, Mark Beard, talking about his moment in the FA Cup Sun from 1995. Talking to me yesterday, here he is on Alive and Kicking. Hello, this is Luis Amor Rodriguez and you are listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast, okay? Now, where is Linda? Joining me on the line now, pleasure to talk to uh, former Millwall star, and, and we'll talk about that game in the very second. Mark Beard, welcome to Alive and Kicking. How you doing, mate? You okay? I'm very well, thank you. And um, before we talk about that ma- uh, amazing night at, at Highbury, let's take you back right to the beginning of your career, because you won the Youth Cup at Millwall. You're quite successful in the youth teams. Tell us about that time and, and who else was in that team with you. Yeah, we was, uh, we was very lucky to be in uh, a good youth set up there at Millwall with Tom Wally as a manager. Um, we had players like Andy Roberts, Mark Kennedy, Ben Thatcher, uh, Jermaine Wright. Um, we all went on to have really good careers as well. So, um, yeah, we were successful. Um, got to the one year for Youth Cup one year. Um, got to the semi-final the next, beating Man United at Old Trafford 2-1 with Beckham and Scholes and the Neville brothers. 
and such. Um, we come second league only to Tottenham. So yeah, we're a really good, really good team and produce some good players. Mm, no, it, indeed. And for you, you made your Mill, Mill debut in '91. You're a local lad. How did that feel playing for your your hometown club? Yeah, a dream come true. I mean, um, from the minute like I've, I've got, I've become an apprentice at Mill. Obviously, the ambition was to play for the first team, and um, at a time I was in the Championship, as it is now. And um, we, it was a bit surprising actually. But it was a little bit of an injury crisis, and then Nick McCarthy called me in the office on the Thursday and said, um, "I'm going to start you against Watford on Saturday." And they've been in a bit of a bad run, so um, yeah, I played one four one. And um, it's, it's an amazing day. All my family, obviously, they're watching all my all fans as well. Coming from the Elephant Castle, is it's a great moment for me uh, and and for my family. And to get a win as well, it, it made uh, it was the icing on the cake. Mm. Let's take uh, to the, the big night that we, we were talking to on this week's show. Um, we're talking giant killings. Obviously, you were part of a, a big giant killing during uh, that period. What do you remember about drawing Arsenal in that round, first of all? Was it, I imagine the expectation was big for Mill because you had played them the season before, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I played the season before. I wasn't actually involved in that game, so, so I didn't play. And then when we we got the draw, we was actually at home. Um, and again, I didn't play in the first game. We drew 0-0. So the replay went to Highbury. Um, but on the Saturday before the game, we played Sheffield United. And um, again, there's a couple of injuries. I, I played right wing that day, which was my normal, normal position. Um, and I scored against Sheffield United. Exact replica of the Arsenal goal. So, um, so I scored make it 1-0 um, and I played really well I think I'm a man of the match so Nick McCarthy kept me in for the Arsenal game at right wing um, and exactly the same thing happened again so um, yeah it was, it, as I say it was playing out position but I was more than comfortable there and confident enough to go and um, do a job and especially scoring at Sheffield United on a Saturday I was I went into that game full of confidence and um, you're playing against some of the best players in the country at the time, like uh, Dean Wright, David Seaman, the best back four that have been about forever. And uh, we um, we had nothing to lose. There were 7,000 Mill fans there, I remember that. Um, again, all my family. And, uh, yeah, a special, special, special game and a special moment for me. And what's it like playing at Highbury? Because, I mean, obviously not there anymore, but one of my favourite old grounds, quite quite close near. I imagine the atmosphere in the night game was, was thriving. Oh yeah, it's, you can't describe moments like that. And I mean, you could do as many interviews and podcasts, and you, you could just never put into words what it actually felt like. And um, I just remember the moment of actually scoring, and it was actually at the clock end. So um, to to turn around and then running back to the all fans, and then just see them all jumping up there is just an amazing moment. And um, the atmosphere all game was electric because it was it was tense because it was one nil right up until like the 89th minute so we had to we scored quite early and we had to hold on for a long time and had so many good chances and if it wasn't for sometimes a little bit of luck or bad mm. finishing and Casey Keller making some fantastic saves um, it, it, it was a brilliant game It was also a brilliant round as well because you went on to, to beat Chelsea in the next round as well so I mean did you feel like you just became the scourge of uh, of the London teams at that point? Yeah um, and Chelsea again with under Glenn Oddle the, the, the first game was that um, at the den we drew nil nil? So again, it's a great intimidating atmosphere at um, Stamford Bridge, and yeah, we, we had no fear because no one expected us to win. But uh, with the backing of the Mill fans, and we just gave everything. And um, again, rode our luck at times, but and went one nil down. But that showed character to get back into it. And Dave Savage scored obviously, went to extra time, and then penalties, and we won on penalties. So um, we felt like I could beat anyone.
Uh, except for the next one, I'm going to keep you off hand myself. That's a you eventually yeah. went out to, wasn't it? So an unlucky penalty, if I remember rightly. Yeah, it was. Uh, to this day, I still don't know what Damien Webber was doing. It was the 93rd minute, cross coming the box. I think he jumped with Les Ferdinand or someone. And last second, he's just he was six foot four anyway. He's massive, so he didn't need to put his hand up. He put his hand up and just hit him on the arm, and it was a penalty. But it was a massive blow because off the seconds ago, we, we would have fancied ourselves back at the den, um, but this wasn't to be. And I think it's Man United next round as well, which would have been a dream, a dream tie. Mm-hmm. You went on to play for Sheffield United as well. Were you at the club when they knocked Arsenal out in the was it ninety six as well? Yeah, I was there. I was actually injured for that game, but yeah, he was there. So it's sort of like a hoodoo over Arsenal. <laughs> I don't think I've ever lost to them ever. So that was in youth, in your reserves, and in first team, we always seem to beat them. Yeah, it became the scourge of Arsenal. Brilliant. And and these days you're <laughs> at Brighton, are you? I believe. Yeah, I'm Brighton under 18s manager now. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, great to talk to you, Mark. Mary, thanks for your memories. Uh, we remember it vividly here. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Thanks for that. Top, man. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks a this lot. This is Gary Stevens, and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. Remember, keep it 90s. Mark Beard there, talking about his big moment at Highbury. Let's get it from an Arsenal perspective then, Greg. You'd beaten Millwall the season before. Um, I don't know what happened in this game, other than Alan Smith's injury, but Millwall really on just counter-attacked and somehow got a win at Highbury. Yeah, um, yeah. the Alan Smith injury was in the, in the first game yeah. at, uh, at Millwall. Uh, so, obviously, obviously the... The most important aspect from an Arsenal point of view, from uh, from the the defeat, is is to say that it was uh, it was almost the end for for George Graham soon after, and uh, we, we all know we all know why he went. But uh, I, th- I think by this point, uh, Arsenal's uh, successful title winning team of eighty nine and ninety one that that was uh, that that was coming towards an end. They, they they still had the um, they, they still had the, the defence, but uh, in terms of creativity in midfield, I mean, you, in in ninety four ninety five, it was a case of John Jensen and, and Stefan Svartz, and one of them would win the ball and give it to the other. He'd take a bad touch, try and win it, and then give it back to the other, and and that was just how how they went on the the whole uh, the whole season. There was just there was nobody to pick a pass, and uh, Jules Graham didn't seem to trust players like that anymore. So again, he was replacing uh, Anders Limpar with uh, Eddie McGoldrick. Um, one of one of his parting gifts was uh, was was Glenn Helder, uh, as was as was John Hartson. So again, that that was it, we weren't exactly uh, going down the road of uh, the the beautiful game at that point. So although so it really it, it marked the the end end of an era but uh, I, I think i think every every arsenal fan knew we were coming towards that point and um we thank him for what he did and i, I think he's a he's a very underrated manager in in arsenal's history now and uh, what he gave us was a was a glorious period in our in our history mm. and i mean the well let's lump the the following season on as well because this is a game like this this exit i completely didn't remember until I was looking into these games. This is Sheffield United after a replay as well. I didn't, I didn't realise it happened two seasons in a, in a row for Arsenal. Yeah, Calviart, wasn't it? Mm. I think, again, uh, one of those players who 
was uh, was best known for for this, but I think because it wasn't a live on telly game yeah. and it was it was just a midweek game where it's, I, I can't remember what game was being shown, but I, I remember being at university in, in a pub and the uh, the score coming up and that was it. It was in, in those days it was easy to just find out the score and there's and then just shut off, forget about it because there was no Twitter. Or, or anything like that. Yeah. Until you read the, it wasn't even the internet. So the, until you read the paper the following day, you you were just in. You didn't have teletext, Greg. Cool. Oh, yeah, but I, I I did. So I was in the pub. <laughs> I was I was at university, so we would have played a game that day. So Wednesday night was our was our big night. So no, I wasn't I wasn't going home and to to follow the game on teletext. So, did you used to do that. You used to just watch it go around. And oh around yeah, and my around. dad. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, well, the the best the best ones were when uh, when your game was the only game. And and I would just stare at the screen for ninety minutes. <laughs> you didn't even have it on mix. No, no, no. You could have an envision sitcom on. So I'd, I'd I'd rather watch the ninety minutes just just on, hope praying that that something would change. There was an option to have like the scores in vi- in while the corner. Well, like no, well, it was at the bottom of the um, screen. It would yeah, just like shrink it down. I didn't tend. I didn't tend to believe <laughs> that though. I, if, they, <laughs> I that. If, if there wasn't an update, then I thought, oh, there must be something wrong. So <laughs> yeah, I preferred just to just to stay staring blankly at, at the screen for ninety minutes. See, the new version of watching games on teletext is watching games on Sky Bet. You know, on the pitch view. Yeah. When you've had a bet on, and you could like go and look at it and see what's attacking. Although it always says like you know Middlesbrough attacking. And you're like, what does this mean? Is somebody going to whip it in? Or they just happen to have meandered into that end of the pitch. And most of the time, with it being Borough, they happen to have meandered into that end of the pitch rather than any thrusting attack. Most games are, are best left to the imagination anyway, aren't they? Well, it, it is funny how, though, watching on television, as much as we everyone laughs about it, I mean, we all did it. I mean, I remember mm. some classic oh, United, United winning. That was, the, that was some of my greatest times of the 80s. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but of course, that spawned basically soccer saturday, soccer didn't saturday it, really? yeah, that's that's exactly all, yeah. it's basically the same thing mm. yeah my wife still I mean, doesn't get why i watch four blokes watching football she still because i remember somebody once said about so, someone once said about soccer saturday it was like someone stood outside a house party looking through the letterbox and then telling everybody outside what was going on <laughs> and it and it's true isn't it it's basically someone sitting there telling you what you what they're watching that you can't and you're missing out on but <laughs> Um, I do love. Oh, this is a good FA Cup link, actually. I do love watching Soccer Saturday on FA Cup weekend because Sky haven't got the rights. So this weekend they all had. They were league, talking about League One and League, league One and Two. Like it was <laughs> the most important <laughs> yeah. thing in the world. Which, I mean, no disrespect to League One and League Two, but obviously their guys are used to watching the Premier League, and it's just you can see them just not knowing anything about the teams they're watching. But the they players. do. I mean, Sky Sports News is just an advert for. Uh, Sky Sports and nothing else, but the like the when they do do some incredible things. Like when when the Olympics were on, I remember them talking about an injury to somebody in League Two before they moved on to the Olympics. Like they, they do some incredible things like that. And obviously, if your sport isn't featured on BT, uh, on sorry on Sky, if it's on BT instead of Sky, say so UFC doesn't particularly ever get ever, a look in on, Sky, on no. uh, Sky Sports News. Like you know the things like that, they don't even get anywhere, near, and they will talk about anything 
before. The only thing they do talk about is like either the World Cup or the Euro, Euros because the obviously got to because everything's based around that. But if the Rugby World Cup, I remember coming beneath something, some you know, some trivial report from somewhere. They do do some quite. Well, that's because it's rugby, thing. so I, I don't really blame them for that. Sorry, rugby. No, oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, going back quickly, then 1995. QPR beat Aylesbury. There was a giant killing team. The Aylesbury the ducks. ducks. Yeah, the duck. D- yeah, celebration. Not far from me. Yeah. Uh, May United beat Sheffield United again. If you remember that yeah, one was in yeah. the the blue and white kit, which is also a very nice kit as well. Yeah, I think we got them mixed up. There was the Cantona game, and then there was this, the game they played again the following year, yeah. and it was on a Sunday afternoon. And there was a brilliant move for one of the United goals, and then Mark Hughes got sent off for kicking one of the Sheffield United players right up the backside in front of the referee. I can't remember who it was, but it was a blatant red card. Typical Hughes. He must have got wound up, and he just lashed out at. Um, I can't remember who that it was, but um, yeah, I remember I remember being at both because Sheffield United away was always a great away trip because they always gave you like the two the whole end behind the goal, so you had the terrace in below and the seats above, so it was one of those great cup games where you'd have like a ten thousand like, like we were talking about last week about how you'd get massive allocations back in the old days, not like now where you get about five hundred seats but um, <laughs> but I do I do remember those two games fondly. Yeah, some great goals. Uh, Borough beat Notts County, Joe. Now, I do remember that. Yeah, that was that was one of Robson's earliest games. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was in '96, the season before. All oh, right, '96. Sorry. Yeah, yeah we, we played them in the Anglo-Italian Cup. Actually, oh, classic. Very early under Robson. Matthew so, yeah. loves that. '95 uh, was Swansea. You lost to Swansea in '95. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. And '96, so Borough lost to Notts County. Man United beat Sunderland. If you remember that. Yeah, I, I remember that well. Sadly, because it was, I ran over a squirrel on the way to that game. And, <laughs> oh. I, I was, and you I still felt, won the match. No, they drew the game at Old Trafford and then they went oh, to a replay. replay yeah. But I felt absolutely sick the whole because I drove and then I ran this squirrel over and felt terrible about it. I mean, it was dead; it was outright dead. And um, and then that was it. I couldn't take my mind off it for the whole game, and it ruined it. Ruined it for me. Well, there's a story. Right? Years, I didn't expect all to these, hear. <laughs> all these years well, on, I ruined the podcast. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't even want to talk about keeping our beating Tranmere now. So, um, with, well. I'm going to tie up the last few years because we've talked about the main giant killings. There isn't really anything else at the end of the decade. There's a few little tidbits here and there I wanted to mention. So let's do the 97 third round. The, the, the thing that stands out, which I mentioned at the top of the show, Greg, talk to me about one of Dennis Burkamp's best ever goals. Yeah, well, actually, 97 and 98 third rounds, quite similar goals. Um, 97 against Sunderland. Uh, Got the ball just outside the area, right foot, flicks it into the uh, the top corner, put put his hand over his mouth to celebrate. Yeah, I love that celebration as well. Because they've been they've yeah. been told to uh, to be quiet. Uh, they they'd actually got uh, beaten at Sunderland, and he'd been sent off. Uh, I think it was the the weekend before. Uh, so they were they're out for revenge and, and got it. And then uh, and then he did the same against Port Vale in the uh, in the third round the following year when. Uh, when when that that game went to penalties, so uh, so yeah, obviously un, uneventful in terms of giant killings, which I'm, I'm grateful for. But um, <laughs> the, the, the '98 one would uh, would again like the Oville one. They go on to win win the cup that year, so an, an, an important one. Sunderland not not so important as they lost the Leeds in the following round. That Arsenal one, I think I was on my school trip call if I can talk school trip to Swanage at that point. Is that the uh, game Alex Manninger saved the penalties? Is that that? No, game? that that was that was West Ham. Oh, when he okay. when he saved the but they uh, 
David Seaman would have been in goal with for the uh, for the, the Port Vale. Yeah, but, I'm trying to think of the year. That would have been ninety yeah, eight. Yeah, yeah that'd be later. This the uh, the Manning one I'm thinking of. Um, there's a great game we put on Twitter actually, Matthew. I don't remember this one. Ninety eight season. Man United beat Chelsea five three. Do you remember? Yeah, United got off to a flying yeah. start, didn't they? Yeah, this, that was sort of in United's sort of real. That's when they were really starting to dominate, wasn't it? And uh, you know the sort of early. Days of Beckham and and Scholes and 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 the Nevilles and everything. Yeah, I remember them absolutely getting off to a flyer, and then it, it sort of making it hard work for themselves by uh, letting in letting in three goals at the end. But yeah, I do remember the game. Mm-hmm. Joe, didn't didn't, kill, the, didn't uh, kill anything on the way there. I know that. Yeah, well, that was bad. Joe, you must remember the start of the '97 run. Oh God, uh, it was it Hensford, Chester. Oh, Chester. Yeah. Was, it, was Hensford the year after? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. I think we won about 6-0. Did we beat Chester quite, yeah, like, yeah, quite yeah, a yeah, amount? Yeah, it was 6-0. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, had... it's, it's one of those... Everybody talks about Ravnelli getting 32 goals that season, but we forget that, you know, I think he got I think he got three against Chester. He got quite a lot in the Cups and things, and he didn't really get that many in the league. If you, if you discount sort of the hat-trick against Liverpool on the opening day, he was a bit sort of patchy in the league. But 32 goals is still nothing to be sniffed at. Yeah, don't knock it. I think you're being a bit harsh there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, well, you know, you didn't have to watch him berating Mickleback every week and spending his days in, in life Brooks on Albert Road. In fairness, I did a lot of berating Mickleback when he was on loan because he was useless. Um, gotcha. I forgot he was there. Yeah, Phil Stamp scored in that game as well. He didn't get Stamp many goals. Did you yeah. think he scored as well? No, he was injured. I remember that at the beginning of the commentary. Uh, I watched the other day. I was kind of like, oh, he was injured because I was expecting. Who else we played in that run? Derby County. I haven't got the. I'm talking third round. That's all I got in front of me at the moment. No, okay, no, but Hensford was the year after because it was Fjortoff. I think Fjortoff and Ravenelli played up front, and it was Fjortoff's last game for us, and he scored. And when he scored, he went running past Robson. And took his shirt off and pointed at his name and pointed at his number and that was the last time he played for Bournemouth. <laughs> oh, the great underrated young man thought of as we. He uh, loved Jan Fjord. I know he was the underrated eleven, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, he's yeah. one of my. He's one of my. Still one of my favourite Borough players of all time. Once, me and Kingsley Chapman and my friend Robbie Major and Jan Fjordov did a running commentary on Rocky. Two, I think, which was happened to be on telly, and he was watching it. And we all started talking about it together, giving this running commentary of, you know, the, the, the wonderful trials and tribulations that uh, Rocky was going through against. Is it Apollo or Rocky? Rocky two? Yes, that's where he beats him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the Hensford game you're talking about was the fourth round in '97. Ah, right. Yeah, okay. Yes. What was? What was? was yeah, Nin- I don't even want to know. '98 was this game that I texted you about earlier that I completely forgot about as well. That you. That QPR and Middlesbrough played each other in the third round. No recollection yeah, of this clear. game. That it was two-two at Loftus Road. Um, John Spencer and Kevin Gallen scored for them, and then you beat us two-nil. Who uh, scored for Borough? I've only got the QPR goals. Oh, of course you have. Yeah, I couldn't find them actually. Some of the websites I didn't look. I didn't delve hard enough. I must admit, but yeah. Um, and Arsenal beat Port Vale, as we mentioned. And then in the final season of the decade, Arsenal beat Preston. QPR lost to Huddersfield. And how nicely we finished on Man United beat in Middlesbrough. I remember that game. Um, I think was it two one? Yes, three one. Was it two one? Three one. I thought it was three one. That two was one. on the. Was yeah, it, it, did somebody get sent off for United, and there was a bit of a kick off at the end? I don't know where I'm plucking that from. No, I th- <clears throat> aren't you thinking of the game where they went mad at um, Paul Durs? Was it Andy Paul Durs? the referee Andy when they Andy Durs when they surrounded the ref and were going mad. But wasn't that a league game? That was, I oh, think right. that was a league game, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure that was a league game. <laughs> but this game was 3-1. 3-1, yeah. 3-1. 
and that was obviously on the route on route to the uh, the treble, wasn't it? Which, if you listen to people now, is obviously uh, impossible to do because you can't obviously win the league and two cups in the same season. It's impossible for professional I footballers don't know, to, Liverpool to do fans such from a thing. Two thousand and five, well, <laughs> I know they didn't win the league. 2001 that was 2001 oh god yeah, yeah. well it's well, the same same principle though i mean you know the, like you say the way people talk i mean going back to bookending what we how we started the program but the way people talk it, it's it's almost it, well it's impossible to win a league and a cup let alone a league and two cups or three cups in liverpool's case and it's just it's ridiculous because you know that by united winning that treble in '99, it completely disproves that theory, and you, you know people go, "All oh, the games change." Rubbish. You've got, you know, got to have, you've got to have the stars aligned, though, as well. You know. Yeah, you've got to obviously have a fantastic team. I mean, Liverpool nearly did it in '77 with a brilliant team until United beat them in the in the FA Cup final. But I mean, obviously, it's not going to happen all the time. But I mean, teams won the double. You know, I mean, obviously, Arsenal won the double on several occasions. United have done it on several occasions. I mean, many teams have done it. I mean, it's not, I'm not belittling the. Achievement, but it just seems like now this whole thing of oh, you, if you're going to win the league, you may as well may as well sacrifice any interest in any cup competition. It just seems ridiculous. I mean, again, you tell that to the Tottenham '61 team or you know the Arsenal '71 team or you know all the great teams down the uh, down the years, but it seems now that's met with a standard response of oh yeah, but things are different now, and I I think bollocks to be honest. <laughs> Well, that seems like quite a nice note to wrap it up on. I, I love the fact that Matthew st- said the FA Cup is now crap and that is bollocks tonight. So, yeah, we've, we've summed up the FA Cup and how we feel about it in 2019. Well, some of us have. Greg didn't agree, I don't think. No, you, and you should be you should be pleased Liverpool are out of the FA Cup. Well, I didn't it's, say I wasn't. It's always, but good, to, uh, it's always good to have one of the... I mean, uh, as I've said, uh, it's very unlikely that a team outside the top four or five is going to win it so if, if one of them's gone already and, and obviously one another one's going to go next round so oh, well, I'm not saying I was disappointed obviously even though I'm trying to keep remain uh, you know neutral but you can't remain neutral at Liverpool though well, no, well you can when you live in the yeah, middle yes, of the town Dan, he's got a soft spot <laughs> for him well, it's not so much a soft spot. I'm just trying yeah. to. Uh, I'm feathering my nest for when they win the league, and then so much people don't come round here banging my door down. But no, I, I, I just think Liverpool going out to a. I mean, Wolves aren't a lower team by any means, really, are they? But you know that I just don't think that's a genuine upset when you're playing team. Uh, you know, you're playing 16 year old kids and 17 year old kids, and it just. It, I think it tarnishes it slightly. But you know, we've, I've, I've discussed that. Well, we've discussed that at great length. We prefer the FA Cup in the 1990s, as we've all discussed um, tonight. Um, Tell us your own FA Cup third round memories. We've obviously been very biased to the teams the guys support today, but tell us what your own memories are of the FA Cup third round. We couldn't go for all of them. There are a hell of a lot of ties to think of over 10 years. But thank you very much for listening. Just before we go, Joel, your amazing new Twitter account and Archie account, where can they follow you? Uh, That's at Joel Baby Tweets, all one word. And I'm still Joel Baby Hercorden. Instagram if you want to come and say hello. It's pictures of my new haircut. Yeah, I'm going to go. That's literally what I'm going to do as soon as I put this Skype phone call down and see your new hairdo from Tony mm. and I. Uh, That's good. Matthew, where can people find you on Twitter? Well, if you still want to follow me after me berating the FA Cup, you can More find people me will. on <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at Matthew J. Christ. And, and Greg, you're on the gram and the Twitter. Where can people follow you? Yeah, it's... Uh... Panini underscore book, and uh, on the subject of Panini, I, I will on. be going to the uh, London Toy Fair at the end of the month when uh, Click Distribution will be unveiling 
Panini's plans for the Premier League next season. I will see you there, Mr. Lansdowne, because I will be yeah. there too. So representing, I will see you there. Yeah, Kick Magazine and WWE Kids, but oh, I'm, yeah, you haven't invited me. All oh, right, that's just what to a <laughs> toy fair. Right, well, have you, have you got some of the WWE Hasbro action figures on the go? Well, I'll, I'll see what I can do for you. I'll meet. I'll, right. meet, I'll see Mattel that when I'm there. So I'm in. I'm in I, want a, I want a rock one. You want a rock one? Okay, that's one of the easy ones to get. He was the first series. Well, I, I, I haven't seen it. I don't go to toy shops. I'm <laughs> from you. Middlesbrough and I'm 42 years old. They would be very <laughs> suspicious. But, you, but you've got a gardener. <laughs> you've got a gardener, apparently. So. Yeah. Gardener's <laughs> fine. And you, and you go to Tony and Guy, so I'd be careful what you say. Mm. And, I've got a, and I've got a cat that I take for walks. Yeah. Hold on. Hashtag Archie Count. Check it out on Twitter. And if you see uh, a 40-year-old man in a toy shop, let us know. I've been... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it won't be me. Yeah, I've with been, the cat. With his cat. I've been Ash Rose. This has been Alive and Kicking. Follow us on Twitter at AK90s, on Instagram at AK90sPod. We'll be back soon with more 90s goodness. Apparently a film episode, which we've organised mid-show. So that'll be coming your way soon. But until then, keep it 90s. <laughs>